2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a man mighty he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord thus, and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you to Naaman, I've sent to you, Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored. You shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, this is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the, like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Hmm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so here we are. After spending some time in the book of Luke, we are in Second Kings with this really interesting story. We've got Naaman, a.k.a. Naaman, a.k.a. Naaman. Um, <laughs> we were trying to figure out which pronunciation to go with before this. But and na amen, na na amen. <laughs> um, and so he's a he's a powerful man. He's got some leprosy. He goes to Israel on rumors of a healer, and a lot of interesting stuff. And then you know at the end of the story, he's got he's got little baby skin, is what we're told. <laughs> um, which I love that image. He's got really soft, uh, smooth baby skin. So Jason. 
what are your thoughts on this passage mm. and uh, what we can glean from it as, you know, 21st century Atlantans? Of course. Well, I cannot read this passage without immediately um, having come to mind just remembering the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm. Um, this is one of the... Um, is this in there? This is one of the scenes ah. that's in the okay. Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay. And we must have read this story a hundred times to Jacob when he was little and he loved it. And so I still, every time I read the story, I have the illustrations (laughs) in my mind of what Naaman looked like, what the, what the little Israeli girl looked like, you know, just it's, it's etched into my memory. So fond memories of just raising um, a little boy, uh, reading the word of God to him. And this story um, reminds me of that. Um, And appropriately enough, it, there are a lot of, things in this story that I think do point us great to a Messiah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, do tell. Do tell. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I, I, you know, the things that jump out at me are the selfless, uh, act of this little Israeli girl yeah. who had been taken off into slavery, presumably after her family had been killed mm. and is under by an army that was under the command of the very man that she was now serving. Mm. And yet, she had every reason to hate him, yeah, and yet she acted in his best interest, um, yeah. despite her own interest. There's that that jumps out at me. Um, I think the the pride of Naaman mm-hmm. is pretty evident. Who he goes to his king mm-hmm. after having been told that there's a man in another land that can heal him, and he and his king immediately think, well. Who has that kind of power? It must be somebody that's incredibly powerful, yeah. that's in a seat of great power. So they actually send a letter to a king, yeah, not to the man that he's told could heal him. Kings were always presumed to be the son of God. Yeah. So kings were were semi deity, yeah, bet, or at least. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how coming out of Luke, you know, Jesus, basically most of Luke, he's flipping the power diamond name exactly. that people expect. They expect, okay, you're the son of God, so you are the king, yep. which means that you're going to get Rome out of here. And uh, Jesus says, no, I'm here the for the least. Yeah, it's yeah. the upside-down kingdom. Yep. And uh, and we have a little upside-down kingdom thing going on here yeah. where, yeah, they expect, well, who would have the healing power in this land except for you know the, the worldly powerful the king. The, the kind, yeah, the he king, must yeah. be the son of God. There is a presumption and here. I love, you know, he... He gets sent to Elisha, and I, I love this like little detail where it says that they pull up to Elisha's house in the chariots, and like it kind of like makes me imagine like this like barricade or uh, you know this group pulling up to like a trailer in yeah. a trailer park, and they're like Cadillacs and like tanks and stuff, and so um, I love it. But yeah, well, even in, even even then, as if to to hammer home the point. Even Elisha doesn't come out himself. Mm-hmm. He sends he, Elisha sends a servant of his own to yeah, come out yeah. and pronounce, uh, you know, what what Naaman needs to do in order to be healed. So that's funny. So we get so we see Naaman and his lord here have clearly a presumption about where the power to heal him will be. Yeah. Then the king that Naaman goes to obviously doesn't have the power. Elisha calls for him. Mm-hmm. And then as if to reinforce the idea of this upside down uh, ethic that you made reference to, Elisha himself doesn't even come out. Mm-hmm. Elisha sends some of his servants out to tell Naaman how to be mm-hmm. healed. So um, 
I'm trying to think of a, a, a contemporary parallel. It, it is as if um, the lowliest, the, the poorest of the poor comes out to, mm-hmm. to pronounce some sort of a prescription for healing on mm-hmm. the wealthiest person we can imagine, the yeah. most powerful person we can imagine. Well, and I love like the, uh, you kind of see like Elisha's gall here. Yeah. Um, you know, this army of another nation, uh, or like the commander of the army of the king of Syria has come. And that's why, you know, the king of Israel is freaking out. Like he thinks that this guy is trying to like ultimately pick yeah. a fight yeah. and he knows they're going to lose. And so the king of Israel is tearing his clothes in distress. But when he shows up at Elijah's house, Elijah is so unimpressed that he doesn't even go out himself. Like he just sends a messenger. I sense he probably, my sense is that he picks up on the pride. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm sure motivating Naaman here. Yeah. The, the way that he arrives with the, yeah, yeah. the caravan, all his best armor. And, uh, um, I think Elisha's, has a pretty clear understanding of the type of man that he's dealing with. And he knows that um, he, he needs to kind of recenter Naaman's understanding of his own brokenness and mm-hmm. what humility truly is for him actually to be healed. Yeah. And I, I think the just a, a practical thing that comes from that is this understanding that to be a man or woman that's filled with God's spirit and walks in God's way, it, it changes our perspective of earthly things. And, you know, like I, I think of do not re- regard man according to the flesh. And that's what we see in Elisha here is he he's not regarding, you know, he doesn't see Naaman as like this big, great power. You know, Elisha has this amazing prayer um, where, you know, he, he's, uh, I think it actually is the Syrian army. Um where him and his servant are out in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and they wake up and see this like massive army coming towards them. And this, his servant is freaking out, maybe the same guy. And Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. And then the servant's eyes are open and he sees the the fire and yeah, the armies of the Lord. And he's so aware of, of, you know, the reality of the, things of God and spiritual yeah. warfare that he, uh, he actually is, he's completely unintimidated here. Yeah. And so I think that there's great instruction for us in that. We can certainly be blind mm-hmm. to reality mm-hmm. because of the things of the world. Yeah. It's like, uh, it reminds me of this. It'll sound very pretentious, but, uh, reminds me of like Plato's cave. Oh, we all man. see the shadows on the wall Plato and we, you know, it. we think, <laughs> We think we're looking at reality, yeah, yeah, and we're totally blind to what is mm-hmm. actually real going on behind us. And in this case, Elisha can see straight through the pride mm. that is here. He knows mm-hmm. uh, the reality of the situation, and then he responds in a way that you know removes the blindness from Damon as well. Yeah, no, I think that Plato's cave is a uh, that that is like a good image. Is like. As Christians, we are told and we believe that there's like another dimension of reality, um, mm-hmm. which is if you like stop and think about that, that's very mind bending to think yeah. about. And uh, and yet it's true. And so, um, you know, we we love Elijah's or Elisha's um, his boldness um, and ultimately 
Naaman, he he stiffens his neck and goes away. And once again, the least of these, the servants, mm-hmm. are like, "Come on, man! Like, just just try it." <laughs> and you know, then he he ultimately humbles himself, gets in this uh, foreign river, and is cleansed. He gets his baby skin back. I have this. I have this. His baby skin. I have this image in my mind. That what happens when he's in the water? Is it like it dissolves off of him and there's it, bubbles yeah, again? I hate to see these yeah. illustrations from the Jesus Storybook Bible. There's, oh, there's, uh, you know, steam coming off the water yeah. from him. So I just wonder. Is it like? Uh, yeah, it's funny. Is I, he in baking soda and it's bubbling and fizzing and all the stuff's going I, on? In my mind, like when he gets in, it does make a. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sound. That's what I'm thinking too. Seven times he did. Yeah, so. yeah. So. Anyway. All right. Well, this has been good, um, and we are we're gonna continue through Second Kings chapter five tomorrow. Uh, so for Jason Byers, this is Will Carlisle. We will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and our daily rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.